Hey, musical historians. Thanks for coming back for this episode. If you love the show and want to support it, you can. We have a Patreon, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash modernmusicalorigins. You get access to unedited content, a Discord server where you can directly interact with me, and even the chance to be a guest on the topic of your choosing. Thank you so much for donating, if you do choose to donate, and thank you even more for just listening. Hello, and welcome to Modern Musical Origins. I'm Nora, and in this show, I take different instruments and some types of music and examine their history. Later on, I'll be talking to Ian Riggs, who is a professional bass player in New York City. But for now, let's talk about the bass. Depending on your musical background, the word bass conjures one of three images. If your primary musical history is in an orchestra, you probably think of a hulking instrument played standing up and something like a huge violin. If your primary experience is in rock or pop music, you might imagine something that looks very similar to an electric guitar in shape and size, but is quite a bit lower in tone. If you have no experience in music, there is a chance that when looking at this episode, you thought I would be discussing the bass. This is a fish. I will not be discussing that. Let's first take a look at the oldest form of this instrument. You've probably seen it before. It's by far the largest instrument in the modern string orchestra, and is also featured in concert bands, as well as jazz, blues, rock and roll, bluegrass, and many others. Unlike most instruments, the double bass is not written using the notes that are actually played. Because of how low it is, most notation for this instrument is written an octave up from the actual note. To get more into the history, the bass is historically different from most members of the violin family, and has thus at times been considered part of the viol family. Some of these differences are that it is tuned in fourths as opposed to fifths like a violin, and is significantly proportionally deeper than the violin. It also has narrower shoulders and has been described as a bass violin by some historians in the past. There are some things like the number of strings that are different from both the violin and viol family. Many basses had three strings up until around 1900, whereas viols tend to have five or six, and violins, cellos, and modern basses have four. The bass does, however, have a nearly identical interior to the violin, and is played in a similar way. There are two ways to play the double bass. With a bow, arco, or with your fingers, pizzicato. In orchestral music, it is normally played with a bow, but in things like jazz and some other genres, it is typically played with the fingers. There are also two different types of bows for the double bass. The more common of these looks like a violin bow, and is called a French bow. This style uses an overhand grip, and makes it easier to do fast-paced, light, intricate bowing. This is in contrast to the German bow, which you hold kind of like a Lego figure. This one is more commonly used to get a more powerful and louder sound. So, that's a relatively brief overview of the history of the double bass. The electric bass has a separate, just as rich history, which may be another episode later on. But for now, I take you to my conversation with Ian Riggs, a professional bass player living and working in New York City. I'm here with Ian Riggs. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hello. 
Hi, my name is Ian. I am um, a bass player primarily, and I mean the upright bass and the electric bass, and I play the guitar, I play the piano, and both of, of those I play in a compositional manner, um, and I like mess around on other instruments, and I sing a lot. Um, yeah, and I have been a professional musician for uh, a while in New York City. Nice. So when when did you start playing the bass, and what sort of led you to it? I started to play, um, except for uh, piano lessons, like as a, a young kid, I started um, on the electric guitar. Just oh. one summer, I was bored. Um, there was an afternoon, and I was like, you know, like I need something to do. Like, and I said, oh, I'll play the guitar, like dead. Okay. And it was just like a project, and like, and then I was on it. And uh, and it took some time, and eventually I had like, lessons. And like, and I was in a band like, with my older brother, uh, Jason. And uh, and then eventually, like, we are just. Like I found out that I like to play like rhythm like guitar, uh, just like keep the beat. And then I had a thought, oh, like I think the bass like does that all the time. Right. Like, and then at the like music shop where I took lessons, uh, there was sort of a, like there was a sale day uh, party. Okay. And they had this like, raffle and I got a ticket like, and I had a premonition that I was going to like, win. I turned to my friend. And I was like, I'm going to win. Right. And it was like $80 mm-hmm. or something. There was like a gift certificate. Nice. And I said, I'm going to win. Like, and they called my name. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I went up and got the $80. Uh, like, like, and I invested in an electric bass. Like, it cost a little bit more than that. And I got this Yamaha. Like, and after that, I got like really into the bass. I just the whole like roll. And I think that was in... Um, seventh or eighth grade, I think it was probably eighth grade. And then the next year, like, like, I was going on to uh, to high school, but like, and at the time they had a very good orchestral like, music department, mm-hmm. and uh, and and just like it was available to me to play the double bass. And and I started to get into the idea, and then like, and I did. And after that, I began a like a like like it was like a long a transitional phase, like where I was mostly an electric bass player, uh, but at the time I was learning the upright bass. And and how did you decide to go into doing music as your career and focusing on the bass rather than? piano or any of those uh well it's just you know it's just like i was saying it's sort of it's uh, kind of um like where like my interest led me and then i sort of was uh like motivated self like motivated i got bass player like magazine and would like oh. read it over and just uh, i mean i was like voracious about it like and this was in a pre-internet era um, it, it was in the like '90s at that point that yes. I was. There was the 1890s. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah. Good night. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but but yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, and then and 
like, and then I started to join the like DC youth orchestra, and that was this. It's a great program. It's around still, I think. It, it's just like it has all like, levels of uh, kids uh, from like kindergarten, yeah. but, like, and I started to play in that in high school uh, through some teachers I ended up, and also classmates at my like high school, and but and it's a great program. So I got exposed to a lot of orchestral like, music. And I got in the classical thing, and, and, and then I was also getting into jazz. Uh, just in a short, like, I just got super interested in it, and, and the bass was just the instrument that I had identified with in some way. Um, and even though I did play the piano, and I've kept up uh, just noodling on the piano, like, or playing it like in an like, educational way. Like it's great to uh, play the piano to uh, learn uh, tunes, like or to figure out chords. I mean, it's it's great. It's like the map of the yeah. Uh, but but yeah, but the choice was kind of just like, and it was also uh, like in a societal like way. Like my older brother, I played the guitar, right, and I played the bass. Uh, like so, we had our like roles defined. Well, that's that's an interesting perspective to take on it. What do you think is like sort of the thing about the bass that draws people to it? Is it the rhythm aspect? Is it the lowness of the notes? Like, what draws, what in your opinion draws like young people or older people even to the bass and gets them to start playing? Um, I'm not sure. That's a tough one. Uh... Uh, that draws them in general. Um, I think, uh, you know, sort of, it's easy to, like, not notice uh, the bass. Yes. Yeah, and, and then it, and in fact, I listened uh, to, like, albums, I listened to the Beatles album, like, Rubber Soul, as a kid. And I would, yeah. I mean, as, like, an adolescent and then throughout high school, it was, like, one of the five CDs that we had. So, um, and I would, um, I mean, I turn it up, and, but it took me a long time to be able to like hear the bass, mm. like, just because the tone is very like muffled, and just, but I mean, it's, it feels like it was like one afternoon that I was like, whoa, there's so much going on down there. Like, listen to that. That's crazy. Like, and yeah. I didn't hear it before. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. In those it's, places. Right, and I think, um, and like, a guy that I, I played with in between, uh, I think it was in between like my first and second year of uh, college, um, who was this great Venezuelan guitarist and pianist, said one time, and actually like, he was a bass player, but I think primarily, um, but just one day I played like a tune with him in this like restaurant and it was it was a tune called Caravan it's a Duke Ellington mm -hmm. tune it's a classic tune I heard it like and I just played the bass but I, mean, I played the bass line and but I can just and there was a good audience there that night and uh, and they they uh, were just clapping after that song and he pulled me aside in the kitchen afterwards and he was like you know why that like it got a response 
response is because you just played the bass, but you kept it simple and, and played a supportive role and kept it uh, consistent. It's not, but I think the bass and almost any instrument uh, that uh, consistency is what is impressive like rather than the flashy uh, technical things like and that's even like more important i feel like now in the internet age and with like instagram like what is easily postable like is a flashy thing right just be like and like it just sounds like pops and like it is pops and clicks i mean slap bass like it's really fun but um it's not what uh is I mean, there is like a deeply satisfying part of like music that isn't at all about that stuff, like about the flashy stuff. So I think that's what draws people is just this, this sort of it's almost like a a like a drone, like or like a, like mantra or just like a repeating uh, thing. Like okay, this, it's sort of the backbone, almost. Yes, like it's foundation. It's almost, and that's more in um, like in popular like music like. And just post yeah. like rock and roll, like or anything uh, that is like folkier. Yeah. So you know. you've been playing bass professionally for what, like twenty years? Yeah, twenty twenty something. I guess twenty four years, twenty three something like that. And how do you think the growth of the internet has changed that scene? Um, well, man, it's changed it a lot. So. <laughs> It's changed it a lot. Um, uh, that's a tough one. Um, well, it's, I mean, I, there's, this is like volumes, I could say, but I think yeah. it has empowered uh, musicians just with like networking on the internet uh, that you don't have to, well, it's empowered and I don't know. It's so confusing, but um, it's, um, but let me think, what else? Um, I mean, just, you know the phenomenon is like it's huge. Just YouTube, uh, you know the performances available on. Well, oh, I've noticed a vast difference, a big change, like in between young musicians coming up. I seem to have a lot more like of a comprehensive. A grasp on the vocabulary of oh. the, like of the songs, and it's in any genre, and like mostly jazz and like and folky acoustic music, like music either it's Americana stuff. I've noticed, and I think it's clear that it's all from YouTube and the internet. I mean, just like it's easy to like to just have a checklist and be like, what are the tunes? And that's like, like and then just like go find them. And you think that's a result of the information being so much more available? Absolutely. And uh, back in like my day, uh, like it was. Uh, it took buying a CD and then you invested in it. And so you spent a lot of time with like one uh, like piece of ten songs, maybe. Exactly. 
And even if you didn't like it at first, or like some of the songs, you weren't sure. Right. Like in a few months, like you might gain an, an appreciation for them. So there was uh, just a different attention span. Like, and I'm not putting a value judgment on it, uh, just because these things like change. Yeah. And also, like it, I, uh, I think teachers had a different uh, significance, and so like. Do you, do you think they're more significant now or less so? They're still significant, but I, like, like I'm not sure if it's more, like, or less. Uh, but I can speak to. It seems like, in this way, that. I learned tunes like, uh, some jazz tunes like, from. Particular teachers in college, right? And those are teachers I had a like relationship with, and they were uh, like they were like meaningful. I mean, like it was intense. Like some of the teachers like were very intense mm-hmm. and about the tradition of jazz, and 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 I think that personal uh, connection, uh, like it changes it. Like it adds to it. It's not just a song that I learned uh, to check it off on a list. It's like right, I have it's a, it. Like it's personal. You have a memory way. associated with learning that song yes. that connects you to another person. Yes, and I'm sure that happens still, uh, but um, I think um, ju- I can't say if that it doesn't happen or like, it does now. Yeah. Uh, Do but that's something. Like I fear, like at times, uh, they get lost. Like and also, it's like I've noticed, like young musicians, like might have all the vocabulary and all the songs. Like and it sounds good. It sounds like they're playing jazz. Uh, except, uh, but it doesn't seem like they have like much uh, to say or like much of a perspective that is commenting on that. Like tradition. it's very, it's very rote. Well, like, that's a little bit harsh. Uh, but yes, uh, kind of. It's just like, here's how you sound like jazz. Right. You know, and not like, like I like want to play jazz. Be... In a famous uh, quote, I think it was Art Tatum, um, he was talking about like musicians copying him. And he said, play like what you think I played, like not what I played. You've played in a lot of different genres and a lot of different environments. Yep. Do you want to sort of, not necessarily go over some of those, but like, what makes those environments special? What's the difference between them? Um, you can give a few examples. Huh. This question started somewhere. Like, and you mean uh, venues? Like or? Ve- venues or just like, because I know, like, you've played with the Ethan Lipton Band. You've mm-hmm. played with, like, as a substitute on Broadway. Between those two, sort of, like, who you're working with, as that's changed, how has that affected your enjoyment of the instrument and the product you put out? Yeah. And then which genres do you enjoy most, I guess? Like, all right, that's a nice open question. I like Yeah. It. Yeah. I, I have some uh, thoughts about this. I've... I think what is like is a thing that I've thought in the past and I appreciate about uh, my like, musical um, I guess career life thus as far as that it has been varied 
<laughs> and that I do uh, all sorts of different gigs. And so I've played at the Hollywood Bowl and I've played at someone's wedding and I've played at a like restaurant uh, for tips. And uh, as a background musician. Hmm. And I think, um, eh, like, and I appreciate them all. Like, you know, they're like, I don't feel like my like ego isn't as such that I like need to be the focus of attention all the time. No, Just no, I, yeah. No, but, but I mean, it's nice and it's a ton of fun to have a big gig. Uh, but an example is with the Ethan Lipton group, it's called Ethan Lipton and his orchestra. Like we used, I'd say like most of our gigs, but actually at this point, I'm not sure. Like, but like we played at a tiny place. It's in Brooklyn. It's called Barbes. Okay. And it's my favorite uh, performance venue. It's a back room. that's about the size of this room. Yeah, it's a little bit larger. Okay. Um, oh, wow. It's very small. And it fits... Would it be like this room if it was like more open, if like that wall section wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It fits, I'd say, comfortably... It, a 20 or 30 people. Okay. And it it can get packed in the back with yeah. standing room, so there might be 50 yeah, or 60. 40 or 50. Uh, but it's great because the audience is like right in chairs, like right up against you. And, and it can only take, it only takes like 10 or 12 or 15 people uh, to ha have a capacity feeling. Yeah, that's nice. And it's very like intimate. It, and and there, and it's a very, extremely like well curated place. I played there with a ton of bands, and I like love it. It's my favorite place. Uh, the Booker, um, and friend of mine, Olivia Conan, um, is uh, is but he's great. And family, yeah, they're great. But I played there a lot, and I've had all these great experiences there that are like high. Like they're like peak performance and audience like relating things. And that same band, Ethan Lipton and his orchestra, I played at this. It's a big outdoor venue. It's in Brooklyn in the summers. So it's called Celebrate uh, Brooklyn. It's in the park in a band shell. Like and like a lot of people come out like hundreds or like like a thousand or something. Okay. And it was a big gig. For us, I think this was in 07 or something. And I remember, like, during the gig, like, I was uh, playing and thinking and just looking out at at a crowd. I mean, there was a sizable uh, crowd there. Okay, yeah. And it was exciting and, a, like, and a trip to have that music being, like, broadcast out. Uh, I, just, I remember thinking, like, I... Is this better than uh, Barbes? I mean, like it, it. It's a very different experience. Like it feels like. Um, it, but, and I don't think it's fair to say better, like, or like worse. But just there's a quality in that intimate uh, thing, uh, like at a a. But. Um, a quality in that intimate thing at a smaller venue 
that uh, that you can't. Yeah. So, you talked. Replicate. You talked when you talked about the barbess about uh, how it takes very a very small number of people for it to feel like you have a crowd. Mm-hmm. If you were in like a hundred person space and you had like twenty five people spread out across the whole room, as opposed to like a group of twenty five people in one area of the room, do you think that like the location and size of the crowd has an impact on how much you enjoy the gig or how much energy you can put into it. Yes. It's definitely better uh, to have the audience concentrated and up close. And I'm very, uh, this is, it's important to, to me. It, it's not important to, to all uh, performers, musicians, uh, but it freaks me out if I can't see the audience. Oh. Like, and in a theater, like, uh-huh. or, like, even a club, if the lighting is such, like, where the audience is all dark, and even sometimes if it's a big audience, and they're very quiet, and they're dark, I mean, they're, like, in the dark, Yeah. it, it freaks me out, I just because I can't tell that they're... You can't tell if they like it, almost? Like, yes, or even paying attention, or I can't tell if they're in engaged <coughs> so that that does um, that's a big deal to me and that's something that that uh, that promoters and bookers uh, think about uh, like if it does look like light t- ticket sales so they will try to like rope off so areas of the seating the audience yeah. yeah interesting so you've You've played with a lot of different people, as we know, as we went over briefly, as we went over briefly. Yeah. As we went over briefly, who's been like your favorite to play with? Is there someone who you've not gotten to play with and really want to? Is there someone who you've like idolized or like been a fan of for a long time who you've gotten to play with? Experiences like that. But yeah, yeah, I like I'd say uh, that the. Th- Three like most important gigs for me are, are just I'd say the Ethan Lipton group and a group called the Lonesome Trio that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But like and that is like more of a like long term like lifetime project. Yeah. Can you just explain for the listeners what the Lonesome Trio is? Sure. It's a three part harmony group. It's acoustic music. It's it's inspired and around the bluegrass repertoire, and it's three friends, college friends of mine, and we're, or it's two others and me, right? And it's a lot of fun. It's and a trio, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, just the three-part harmony singing, I learned a lot from them. Uh, both very talented singers and like musicians in general. And so that's a special one. That's like more of a, it's almost like, but it's kind of like the Ethan Lipton group in that it's sort of like this, like, you know, it's another, like, family in a way. It's, a, you know, very close friends. And then also I played, I had the great fortune of playing with a guy named Burning Spear. Right. Like, And he is a, reggae legend uh, and um, and I had a friend who played with him like actually a couple friends where he got and 
Like, and they needed a bass player. And I had been playing this uh, reggae gig. And so I was, so, but, and I've loved uh, Bob Marley for a long time. And, and, and so, like, he called and asked, uh, and I did these gigs at the Hollywood Bowl and at a festival in Baltimore that was awesome. That was the like, last gig. Uh, that he played, I think. I've uh, like I don't know if that like he's ever going to do a concert again. Mm. Um, so I nice. and I played That's his. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I played at the like, Hollywood Bowl, uh, and it was billed as his uh, as his final concert in California. Uh, so <laughs> all right, yeah. Um, and the first gig was on this island in the Ooh. Indian Ocean. Nice off. It's 500 miles off the coast of Madagascar. Uh, that's called La Reunion. Uh, it's um, right. uh, it's sort of this interesting island uh, that it was. It's long been a like, meeting of uh, cultures. Like there's all these different cultures, like African, Asian, uh, and we played at a big festival there, and it was awesome. It was like my first gig with. Um, him and that band, uh, and it was like super. I mean, it was a trip. I mean, just the whole time, it's a trip. Just, nice. you know, uh, and it's great to play. I mean, there's there's almost. I don't know if you've ever like looked him up, but 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 he's looked upon as almost uh, a like religious uh, figure, oh. like he or just like political, like he like his music is very intense. It's a bit like it's a lot about about. Um, like, uh, I mean, there's songs called like Marcus Garvey, uh, which is like he was the uh, like the back to Africa, right? Uh, yeah. like guy uh, and uh, like and intense songs like Do You Remember the Days of Slavery? Mm-hmm. And it feels there's just a powerful thing that happens in the room. Yeah, I can. Like when he's like singing that, and people are just like, feeling those things. I can imagine. So we are almost at the end of our time, but. There's, I, I want to bring it back around to the bass a little bit. I assume you've learned more about the instrument as you've learned and gone on to play. What, like, what words of advice would you give to someone wanting to start the bass or wanting to start music in general? Uh, do it. <laughs> Press yeah. go. Yeah, like, and just keep learning. Um, and and to answer the first part, I'm continually learning. If I'm not learning, it, it, I feel, yeah, I mean, that I feel like life in general is like it's the best thing. But that's what practicing is. And also like learning like new tunes. <clears throat> and um, so uh, like I'm constantly learning. And it's like someone said in a book, I used to have it. It's like a mountain... And it goes on forever. It's like, and it's great because you, uh, there's never a point that you'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've learned any, like everything, uh, because it's like it's your imagination, and it depends on your goals. Right. Uh, like, and especially if you get into like improvising, as I have done, there's this whole uh, process of integrating like uh, new information. And it takes a while for it to come out naturally in your playing. 
Like, you know, there, there's just like some like physical like, getting it in there. Uh, but and and like, what was else in that question? What else was um, going on? What have you learned about your instrument? You're continually learning. Uh, what advice would you give to someone? I think that was it. I think you answered it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. Um, but but yeah. Um, yeah. Just no. It's it. it uh, I found that the like more I focused on the basics, mm-hmm. like no pun intended, the fundamentals. But yeah, that uh, it. Um, it's great. I mean, just, but, but it seems like really dumb things. Just ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding. It's so great. It's just like mentally it pays off like so well. And it's fun. I'm just, and I love the bass. I'm, yeah. I, I, I have Instagram. Uh, I'm just, I like pictures of the bass. I mean, <laughs> I like the electric bass in particular. And I love playing, or, I mean, I think we've, like been talking about all the bases. Yes, yeah. we've been so, talking uh, about all the bases and sort of professional music in general. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to do a, like maybe a second one, like we could talk about we could talk uh, more specifically about, about like musical uh, things. But yeah, um, felt like natural. So, do you want to tell people where they can find you, either playing or on the internet, and then we will wrap up. Sure. Um, yeah, just look up Ethan Lipton and his orchestra. That would be the thing. Not right now. <laughs> he was going to his computer. Uh, they were, yeah. Like, that can be edited. <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, yeah, and, and I have an Instagram, uh, but, um, it's not totally, like, music. Well, like, yeah, just, like, look for me, like, Ian M. Riggs. I'm right. on the interwebs. So I've... Like I've done Somewhere. things. I'm on albums, hmm. and look up the Lonesome Trio. Look up, um, um, yeah, just yeah. I'd say that's good. Like go on and Google there. Like you'll find me. All right, um, listeners, you have your homework. Um, I like to make it a little difficult. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Yes. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Music Origin Pod or on Instagram at Modern Musical Origins. You can send us an email at modernmusicalorigins at gmail.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash modernmusicalorigins. Our artwork is by Vaishan Brandon. You can get in touch with him at graphite.vmb on Twitter or Instagram. Again, thank you very much for listening, and I will see you in two weeks. Thank you.